Please keep your arms and legs inside the ride at all times. Welcome to the Corey Connects Podcast. You are about to embark on a thrill ride of the ages. Corey Warfield went from living on the streets to hanging with the elites. This growth hacker, serial entrepreneur, mentor, and social media personality has taken connection to new heights. Hold on as we learn from globally recognized leaders who have used the power of connection in areas of innovation, upskilling, technology, leadership, and disruption. So hold on to your hats. It's about to get real. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Corey Connects podcast. Today, I am delighted to have a young woman who's recently not only become a friend, but but I would say, Kira, I think I can say you've become a spiritual advisor to me already and so many. And uh, so without further ado, I want to introduce Kira Lescu to my audience. And Kira, thank you for being on the show today. How are you? I'm awesome. And I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. And I feel the same way. I feel the warmth come from your heart and your soul and in everything you do, even stuff that before I met you, I heard you speak that came across clearly. So very excited to have a chat here today. That means a lot to me. And I'm so excited because typically you do work with individuals on a soul level, one-on-one. And this podcast being a one-to-many, I feel as though there is going to be a message and, and almost a cleansing that's going to occur to those listening to this show with you today. So I don't want to get too far ahead of my skis. I would love for you to just speak from your heart to my audience as kind of in lieu of, a, of an introduction or a welcome, kind of what's on your soul at the moment as we get this started. I think the biggest thing is these times we're going through are very challenging. They're meant to be challenging because they're meant to help us find the places where we haven't been seeing things clearly and find the places where we need inner healing. And this is on a one-to-one level, but this is on a one-to-many level and on a a many-to-many level as well. There are many things in our world that as we've advanced in our consciousness and yes, we're talking, you know, we started out in spirituality, but this is very practical. This is how do we apply this in the things that we do every day? How can we be better humans? Really? That's the essence of it. You might call it spirituality. You might call it human consciousness. You might call it growth and development. It really doesn't matter, but it's like, how can you be a better human in everything you do? And from that, all the other things, the problems seem to sort themselves out very easily once you can uh, start that journey and continue that journey. So that's what I'm about is helping people in a professional context, actually, mostly to do that, but it translates into everything that we do in life. So did you have a pivotal moment in your own life where you realized that you either felt compelled or called to something greater or that you felt a shift in your own life that you wanted to extrapolate out to the world? I think I was born this way, to be honest, which I know is very different than most people. I I had an insight at a very young age. I can remember being in grade school, like kindergarten, grade one, grade two, and looking at the other kids and I'm like, why are they acting this way? But I had a lot of insight, like they were hurting or they didn't know any better and to how to handle situations so that most of the time I didn't get caught up in it. Occasionally I did, but I I didn't have uh, one moment. I think that there were a string of moments 
that took me deeper on that journey to get me to where I am today. And I think that's continuing to happen. That's awesome. I think, you know, life is a continuing unfolding, uh, you know, and and we're, we're all kind of catching up to this constraint of time. How do you feel about living in the moment through the lens of that we are all part of something eternal? Mm -hmm. Well, the thing that people don't really understand about time is that it's not really a constant. (laughs) So the constraint is mental and emotional. The constraint, and I, I actually have a background in manufacturing on constraints and how to optimize constraints. The constraint that we think we have for the most part, isn't real. It's because we've been trained to think and behave in certain ways. And time is much more fluid. And I don't know if you've noticed that lately. I've worked with a lot of people lately, other than me, that seem to be noticing this, that, you know, if they're focused, they can get what seems like a whole week's work of done in a couple hours. And then other times, if you're struggling, it takes a week to do an hour of work. Or other things as well, you know, if you're really in the moment and enjoying something, time falls away. And that's when we usually feel the best, even if it's something that can be challenging at the moment. When you really are in the moment of that, it's not as hard. It's the mental and emotional stuff that makes it challenging. For most people, that takes skill, but occasionally for people, it happens spontaneously. I've experienced that. I was recently exposed to something called Dr. Patterson's dilemma, which effectively states that things will take as long as the time you allot them. So like if you give yourself five minutes to make your bed every morning, it'll take you five minutes to make the bed. But if you give yourself 10 seconds to make the bed every morning, you can get it done in 10 seconds. I do think though that people put these, you know, whether it comes from a place of fear or a place of perfection, people do put these kind of constraints saying certain things aren't done until X, Y, or Z. Um, how do you find that, that that what you were just saying talks to productivity as far as the time, you know, well, un- first of all, differently? very few people understand productivity. And uh, I'm putting on my ma- manufacturing constraint hat and we're going to apply that to consciousness, which is one of my favorite things to do. In manufacturing constraints, there is one leverage point that has a disproportionate amount of leverage, meaning if you have an entire system of a whole company or even a whole group of companies, there is one operation in anything from like 20 to 2000 or more operations that's determining the output of that entire system. So when you put your focus on that and optimize that one thing, you get disproportionate outcomes and results. The same thing is true with your mind And with your emotions, except for it's even leveraged more than in the physical sense, because we're working in a non-physical that already works at a much faster speed. So people, I laugh every day, people like, oh, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. And I sit and watch them. I'm like, you just wasted 13 hours. (laughs) You don't have time for 15 or 30 minutes so that you can actually use that effectively. And It's not just about doing things better. It's about doing the right things. It's about doing the things in the right way that actually get the outcomes you want. I've trained so many people that are burnt out or on their way to burnout. And then they start learning to control their minds. And then they tell me, most of my job's a waste of time. It's not actually getting me the outcomes I want. And then that's how you can start to hack that system 
But then once you really get good at it, you're at a whole other level where you can manifest things that you couldn't any other way. And I'm going to give you an example. So when quarantine first happened last year, in my business, the majority of our clients came from doing live events and me speaking at live events or doing training at live events. And then we would get leads and then that would lead into other programs that our company does such as, you know, in-house training for meditation or, you know, just stress reduction and stuff like that. So all of this stuff was gone. So my income was all gone and the, the source of my income was all gone. So I'm like, well, what would I tell a client to do? I'd like sit down and meditate. So I did. And I was guided to do one post in one place on social media. And from that came... I'm going to say like 98% of the business that we had for the following year, and it's still rolling in. And I didn't have to get on a plane. I didn't have to fly anywhere. I didn't have to travel. So that post took me, it took me a couple hours of meditating because I really had to calm down and center myself. And then it took me about two minutes to do that. And it got me more results than flying around to uh, multiple countries for a year. That resonates with me to such a such a large degree. I've got a, a strong six-figure prospect uh, in a pilot right now that I got from one post that came from a meditation as well. And I do want to shout out a gentleman named Jeff Keim who calls himself the Quantum Leap Coach. He works with a gentleman in your neck of the woods, uh, Bob Proctor, that I first became familiar with in the movie The Secret. But this guy, Jeff, and I really liked him for his tenacity. He wanted me as a client. He didn't realize that I'd put my life savings into my startup and hadn't paid myself in a year and couldn't afford to be a client of his, even if I'd wanted to at that time. It was about two, maybe two and a half years ago. But so he was trying to get me to meditate to kind of, yeah, he knew that I wasn't, he knew how, how just, just absolutely, uh, you know, hundred miles an hour I was moving and how much I needed meditation. So he would check on me about three times a week and it was getting annoying. He would say, Hey, Corey. Yeah. And I knew it was a sales pitch and he was like, Hey, can I send you a meditation? Hey, can I talk about your meditation practices? And I kept telling him no. And it was mostly because I knew I couldn't afford him as a, as a coach. And at that point I didn't really want to coach. And uh, so finally, after about a month of prospecting me, he, he all but gave up and he called me on a Monday and, you know, I had calls on my calendar from six in the morning till 9 PM, seven nights a, a week. And so, um, I didn't have any time for a random call, but he left a voicemail and he basically said, Corey, this is Jeff. You know, I, I know I'm not on your calendar. I just wanted to call and say that I hope you have a great day. And if you were to uh, find 15 minutes in your day to meditate, I think it would really be beneficial. And, and so I blew off that message. And then on Tuesday, he called me again. I'm going, what's with this guy, right? Like he knows I'm busy. I don't want to be a client. And he left a message and he said, you know, I really just, I feel like you need to meditate. So on Wednesday, third day in a row, he, he sent, sent me a text message and he just said, you know, I hope I'm not annoying you, but I really feel like you need to block off half an hour at noon and meditate. And I I'd had a call cancel. I, I, my, my calendar was free for that time and it just <laughs> happened. So I said, you know what? And I actually called him and I said, Jeff, I said, I appreciate you not giving up on me. I, I know that I should be meditating. So I've got this half hour. I'm going to meditate. He said, great. Do you want me to send you over a meditation? I said, absolutely not. I said, I'm good. Um, he said, well, you let me know how it goes. And I said, absolutely. And in that 30 minutes, my life changed. And I realized I need to meditate every day. And it was just those first couple inhalations through your nose, hold it for a second, out through your mouth, feeling that breath, tuning into that moment, 
kind of relinquishing control and admitting that you need help and, you know, putting it out to the cosmos, to source, whatever we want to call it. And, and that did change my life. And um, he's never got me as a client. However, I've got him so many clients. Now I send everybody Jeff's way. I think he's fantastic and everyone loves working with him. But so that was just kind of one of those things where sometimes meditation finds you and everyone that I talk to now that I've been meditating daily for about two years, when they find out that I meditate, it's one of two things. Either they do as well and, and we're in the club and it's like, no wonder you're doing so well. <laughs> you yeah. meditate every day or they're going, wow, how is that for your life? And, and people really lean into that. So you, you mentioned that you do you know, meditation training for corporations and things like that. Do you find that there's more of a resistance to it or, or is it just people putting the, these weird you know, limiting factors? I don't have time. And it's like, no, you actually don't have time to not meditate. <laughs> I find it's all of the above. What I've seen in 2020, it really depends on the person and really on how willing they are to solve problems. A lot of people are at the breaking point right now and they have no alternative. So that unfortunately is helpful. Um, I would prefer it if (laughs) we didn't have to get to such drastic measures as that, but it really is, I mean, it's a high performance tool there's so much science behind that. I mean, I experienced that personally, you know, way before any of that research was done. But it, it, I re- there's really a varying degree. It's a lot better now than it was when I started this business almost six years ago. Back then, people didn't know what it was. I actually had people hold their hands, up, like cross their arms, like stay away from me. <laughs> what are you going to pull the garlic out now? Like It's like you're like a vampire or something. But the reason why I started the business in the first place is I was having a really difficult sale in my last company. And it was a challenging battle, shareholder battle and some real deep challenges. And a bunch of my entrepreneur friends and like they were asking me, you know, what's going on and how are you doing it? And then I said, oh, and then this happened and then I did this and then I did this. And they're like, that happened to me. I'd be in the hospital. Like, what the heck are you doing? And like, aren't you stressed? And I'm like, well... I don't know. I mean, it's not pleasant. And they're like, but you're not freaking out. Like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I meditate every day. So it doesn't help me that much. Like, it doesn't affect me that much. And then that's when people started saying, can you train me? Can you train my staff? So I think people have to have something where they see the value of it to be open to it and understand that it's a viable problem. I think you're absolutely right. And it it does seem as though there's become kind of an en masse awakening to that. So Mm -hmm. I do want to kind of take it in a slightly different direction uh, because I could talk to you for 10 hours straight and and, and maybe one one of these these days I'll have to block off 10 hours and put you on retainer and and just talk. Um, But I want to be mindful of the fact that people listening to this show have other things to do and places to be. So I want to ask you a question I I ask on all all of my, uh, my shows here which is what does connection mean to you beyond kind of the, the, the dictionary definition? Well, I think there's, first of all, there's many levels of connection. And I, I think it's something, first of all, that everybody's seeking. And I think the majority of people are not satisfied with it because they're looking for it in all the wrong places. So the only connection that is sustainable and guaranteed is when you can connect with your higher consciousness. That's the one that never goes any place. Once you can do that, then you can connect with yourself. 
And you can understand what motivates you. You can understand what's painful. You can understand what's pleasing in you. And then once you do that, then you connect with other people. And then you can have an authentic connection where your heart is open and whether the other person responds to you in what you perceive as a favorable way or not <laughs> doesn't have an impact on the level of connection you're feeling. It becomes an internally generated thing. And then that's when you can really have some beautiful, beautiful moments. I love that. I don't know if anyone's articulated it in such a powerful way yet, which is everyone is seeking connection. And then kind of the, the three, the three tiered approach to, yeah, we want to connect with others, but if we're not connected to ourselves and ourselves, both being, you know, our, our individualness, but also the source that we come from I, that, you know, when you reverse engineer it in that, in that capacity, I think it makes so much sense. So I do want to open up the space a little bit to talk about what you do with the company that you started and, and how you're helping people and give them a few ways to get in touch with you. What I'd also like to invite, only if you're open to it and only if you're feeling compelled, I do know that you channel messages and you and I had an amazing session together uh, fairly recently. And I walked away from that just literally feeling so empowered, such a, a renewed lease on the day. If you are compelled to, if you have a message perhaps for the general audience and listenership of this show, and a note to anyone listening to your podcast, don't chug water right before you talk because you'll get hiccups, evidently. I just learned that one the, the, the fun way, I guess. But I'll try to I have the hiccups three times if I need to. Um, but do you, do you have any anything that you want to maybe um, just try, try to channel for the audience? Or is that less appropriate today? I don't want to lead you in any directions that don't I'm right. happy to do that, but I don't think it'll work with this topic. I, I think we can go for any topic that you, you know, for, for you, you're energy driven. So if you have a message, it seems like it wants to come out and has nothing to do with. Yeah. Connection. And, and the one that I'm getting intuitively right now that really needs to come through is talking about like burnout and understanding the problem we have with burnout right now. And this is every single area of our society. And I can speak as a professional psychic. <laughs> And as well as somebody who has more than 16,000 hours of meditation training and what I see in the people going around around me. So this is me on all the levels of my training. We have a huge problem with burnout right now. And part of it is due to changes. And part of it's just due to the workaholic culture that we've had for so long. And with consciousness increasing and people becoming more perceptive, they don't know how to handle those changes. This is the number one thing that needs to be solved in our society right now. And it is everywhere. It is at work. It is our children. It is elderly people that are retired. It is families. And it's affecting all of those things in a negative way. When you're burnt out, it's like cutting 25% of your intelligence and throwing that in the garbage, the high 25%, throwing it in the garbage. It's taking your relationship skills and turning them off. It's taking all the different parts of just if we look purely physical, not even intuitive level, all the skills that you have that you rely on to get through life. And it's giving yourself a huge, I don't know, it's a huge barrier before you can even get to them. And most of these skills you can't even use when you're burnt out. Add to that the health concerns, the health costs. And the likelihood to get serious diseases, 
nine times more likely for your business to go under if you own your own business, seven times more likely to get fired if you're a senior executive, if you're burnt out out of making a bad decision. So this is the number one problem that we need to deal with in our society today. And this, the fixes are not necessarily mentally easy, but they work extremely well and it's relatively easy to do. And it takes a three-pronged approach. It takes cutting your working day. It takes practicing techniques that strengthen your positive mind because when you're burnt out, your negative mind takes over and you don't even realize it. You see things as problems that aren't problems and you can't find solutions. And it takes learning to slow the mind down because that is the only thing that will help you recover from burnout faster. Otherwise, it takes years, a year or more of complete rest to recover from burnout. And I mean complete rest. I mean no work, nothing, like barely doing anything. So that's the thing that I would like to see our world deal with effectively, because on the other side of that, we are going to see some incredible growth and positive changes and healthy changes. And this is something, honestly, it can be fixed in four to five weeks if people do the right techniques. I love that. So with that said, because I wholeheartedly believe that, that we as a culture, as a society, as, as a, a human race can overcome the burnout that, can, that is dragging us down and effectively the, the time span of, of a month or two, what do you think the catalysts are or the agents of change that are required? Is it just the, the right people all the way up top finding a way to message that or lead by example? Or is it a collective consciousness and awakening that's happening? It really has to be a top-down approach because, you know, I've gone to some pretty cool entrepreneur schools about creating culture and it's follow the leader. And if you think, oh, this is good for my staff, if you're a CEO, if you have bottom line responsibility, if you're in charge of a department, if you are in charge of anything, people watch what you do. If you say, go home and look after yourself and, you know, look after your mental health and you don't do it, you're like, well, why would I bother if you're not doing it? So it really has to be a top down approach. It has to, the behavior has to be modeled. People have to walk the talk. But the leaders aren't recognizing the problems they have in their organizations if they're, if they're not bringing their brains to work with them. And that's really what's happening. So you can't afford not to stop, start this at the top. And then, of course, yes, it, it, unfortunately, right now, it's not just our executive culture that has this workaholic and burnout syndrome. It's at all levels of organization. It used to be above a certain level. So, but it has to, the solutions have to start there. And then once people have experienced it for themselves and understand intrinsically the value and they can perceive what's happening in other people, because that's the problem that's happening right now. If the CEO and the leadership team is burnt out, they can't see other people that are burnt out and the problems that they're creating. They just can't. Their brain doesn't function that way. It's so true. And I think there was really a, uh, you know, the, the term, the term, can be off-putting, but but the term anyhow that was used for this for some time was hustle porn. There was a lot of hustle porn. A lot of these guys getting on saying, nobody's working hard enough. You need to put more hours in. If you're not working 23 hours a day, your competition is outworking you and all of these things. And I think that contributed towards some of the toxicity that, that we're now kind of dealing with and the after effects of. 
um, and, and some of the fallout from, and it does seem as though some of the people that were perpetuating that have now changed their, you know, these are people with millions of followers, changed their rhetoric, changed their content, changed their voice to say, guys, we need to slow down. <laughs> we need to tune into our breath. We need to be meditating. Um, and I do think that that hopefully is indicative of some of this change occurring systemically. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm glad to hear that some, I've been an elite athlete my whole life. I was trained by some of the top sports psychologists when I was younger, and that was never part of it. (laughs) The number one thing that we were told, and I competed internationally as a master's athlete, I was top five in the world ranked. The number one thing we're taught is rest is part of training and rest is your competitive advantage. If you're training at an equal pace with somebody else, the one who has the better rest wins. Wow. That's amazing. For, so for this whole other culture we have, like none of it makes sense to me because you you have to have both. We live, you know, for now, we still live in a world with duality. There is an action and then there is rest and the rest is recovery. And if you don't ever do that recovery, you're just, you're wearing yourself down over and over again. That mentality, hustle, hustle, hustle. I mean, that might be useful for somebody who's doing nothing that maybe that will get them to do something. But once you're in action, it's about the effectiveness of that action. I say this to people, start doing jumping jacks. And like, I used to do this in, in, in workshops and like, start doing jumping jacks. And they're like, how long? I'm like, no, just do jumping jacks. No, run over here. No, run over there to do this and do that. And, and I'm like, great. And then I said, you know what the objective was? And they're like, what? And I said, to walk 10 meters that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they're doing all this action, but none of it was getting them to the objective that they were trying to do. So having discernment about that is first. I love all of this. Well, again, I could talk to you forever and ever, but I do, I, I feel as though we need to start to wrap up and I'd be remiss. People that have listened to this want to work with you. How can they find you? And, and what type of people are you looking to work with uh, most imminently? So if people want to work with us, they can look us up on our website, theeagleinstitute.com. They can also look me up personally on LinkedIn's probably the best place, uh, Kira Leskew. And the type of people that we work with are founders, CEOs, C-suite executives to help them with burnout or anxiety or meditation solutions. Even if you have none of those problems and you just want to learn and explore what meditation can do to improve your results, your life, your company, your self-awareness. And then any executives that are on that burnout scale, we have a program specifically for executives that have uh, financial responsibility, but aren't necessarily owners of a company to make sure that they get the same care and do the three-pronged approach that you need to stop burnout. And all of that's on our website, theeagleinstitute.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for that. We'll be sure to link that in this episode as well so that people don't have to try too hard to spell stuff into a browser engine, but uh, it's fantastic. Kira, I want to thank you so much for, for not only the knowledge and love you've bestowed upon this episode and that you've contributed to my life already, but for all that you do in, in, a, in a more broad perspective. So thank you everyone for tuning into the Corey Connects podcast. Kira, thank you so much. It was a delight to have you and I will hope to have you back on down the road and I'll be seeing you in the interim. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone that was tuning in today. My pleasure. My pleasure.